Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Wednesday, June 3rd, we are studying Romans chapter 14, verses 13 through 23. St. Paul continues his conversation concerning the love that Christians owe to each other within the church. What's at stake in this matter of the love shown by the strong to the weak is not simply outward harmony, but it stems from a concern for the faith that God has given to our brothers and sisters in Christ. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. Pastor Wheatfelt serves as the Director of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Thanks, Tim. It's good to be back with you again. How are things going there at the seminary, Pastor Wheatfelt? Yeah, things are starting to return back to normal, or at least whatever uh, the new normal is. Uh, we've got um, our first set of residential classes going on right now, and then we will have our summer Greek residentially uh, here starting June 15th. And uh, we are still planning on having our uh, typical summer events, our Christ Academy program, as well as our organist workshop. We have moved them uh, to the end of July, beginning of August. And, uh, you know, just to be safe and take as much precaution as we can and keep our eyes and ears open just in case there's any sort of flare up with the uh, COVID-19. But uh, we're still hoping on having both of those wonderful events uh, this this. Uh, this July and August. Mm, excellent. Where, where can we go for more information on that? Yeah, for more information on both of those, you can go to our website at ctsfw, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne. So ctsfw.edu. Uh, for the Christ Academy, if you uh, search for Christ Academy, you can find it very quickly. And same with the Organist Workshop. They're both in the events section of our website. Excellent, excellent. We give thanks to God for the service of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, we are in Romans chapter 14 this morning, the end of that chapter. We started it yesterday. It's it's really a continuation of, of the argument that Paul's been laying out in the first part of the chapter that we've got today. What do we need to know about the book of Romans as a whole, this particular section going into our text? Yeah, so on the whole, um, I think the focus of Romans uh, as Paul's writing is really, you know, what is righteousness and kind of breaking it down into two subsets then. So main point, what is righteousness? And then who is righteous? And also where does righteousness come from? And uh, as we move through the whole of uh, Romans, that continues to pop up and to continue to be uh, the key theme, uh, in my opinion, for how uh, Romans is to, uh, to be looked at. It is easy, I think, in the second section of Romans to lose sight of that fact early on when we were looking at the first half, particularly chapters one through eight, that theme verse in chapter one, verses 16 and 17 was very 
key that the righteousness of God has been revealed in the gospel. And that is the power of salvation. And that's been a challenge sometimes to keep in mind here in this second half of the book of Romans. But it is still very important that this righteousness that doesn't come through our works, Paul made that very clear. It's given by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That righteousness has that has been given to us as Christians now has an effect on our lives. And, and that always has been taking me back, at least as we've been reading, to Romans 12, verse 1, where Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, the mercies of God lay the foundation for everything in the way that this righteousness that has been given to us has now had an effect on our lives. And so that, that's going to be a, a theme that we're seeing here in the book of Romans in this section, chapters 12 and following till the end, really. Did you know that for over 40 years, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries with low-cost loans and resources? This is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Because of faithful investors like you, we've been able to help church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations. To learn how you can get involved, call 800-843-8233. Welcome back to Sharper Iron here on Worldwide KFU. It's June 3rd. We're talking to Pastor Matt Wheatfelt about Romans 14, verses 13 through 23. Paul writes, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. That is the text for today, Romans chapter 14, verses 13 through 23. And I think we have Pastor Wheatfelt back on the line. So Pastor Wheatfelt, we read the text while we were waiting for you. Feel free to, to jump back into some of that introductory material that we were talking about earlier. Absolutely. Uh, so with that, with the idea of righteousness permeating the whole of the book of Romans, I think it's always good to start there especially as we jump into a lot of this Christian life stuff that is intended on Paul's part to help the Christians through their life and their life together with others. So you start off the book of Romans 
with the theme of the epistle being the righteous shall live by faith. And then you work your way through Paul just laying out this great explanation to the Romans of showing them how this all works out in themselves. And then you come to 12 through 15, where we see direct application to the life of the, the Romans, and as well as then the life of the Christian for us today. And so as we come to 14, we see how is the Christian life lived out by the righteous, by faith. And for Romans specifically, especially here in 14, it's living sensitive to those who are weak in the faith. And weak can be anything from those who are doubting, those who are new, those who have not yet come to the faith yet. And we as Christians want to witness to them for Christ and uh, not and not uh, cause them to stumble in any sort of way as to cause a block for the Holy Spirit, because it's ultimately the Holy Spirit that brings people to faith. But our God does not work outside of means, and he uses people to be his stand-ins to share the faith. Ultimately, he is the one, though, that brings people to faith. And so at the beginning of 14, we start with this idea of not passing judgment. And how does that work out for the Christian in their life? And then we come to what we had just read today, not causing others to stumble or put a stumbling block in front of them. And how does that all work out? Right. So uh, there's a couple things, because I'm not sure how much of, of the conversation we were actually having with each other. So this this matter of the righteousness of God, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that back up, because it, it can be easy to lose in these chapters 12 through 16. But we need to have that as a firm foundation in these chapters. Chapter 12, verse 1, where Paul appeals to the Romans, according to the mercies of God, that everything that comes after after this concerning what we would call the Christian life is founded upon the mercy of God, the free gift of righteousness that is not earned by works, but is given freely through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the foundation for all of this. And so as, as we think yeah. about the Christian life, it's not somehow earning our place before God as if all that stuff that Paul said didn't apply anymore, but it is a living out of that righteousness that has been freely bestowed. This is the work of the Holy Spirit within us as Christians. And and so all of that is, is going on after 12 verse one, and it includes this section. And then I also appreciate just the, the reminder of what we looked at yesterday, because I think what happens here is Paul ups the ante a little bit. Yesterday's text was really about don't pass judgment don't despise one another as you live in this in this Christian faith together, weak and strong. And and we saw that there's a responsibility that the strong has to the weak and the responsibility that the weak has to the strong. I think in today's text, Paul really begins to focus on the responsibility of the strong to the weak. And, and he begins speaking not just of not passing judgment on another, but how that 
that lack of judgment or that refusal to judge actually comes into action. And as you've brought us into it, it, it starts with not laying a stumbling block before a brother. So, so jump into the text with us here. Verse, I guess verse 13 is really where, it, where we get started with that stumbling block language. Yeah, so in verse 13, Paul lays out this idea of not laying a stumbling block in front of those. So I think what he, you know, what he's playing with is this idea that we as Christians are walking together in a journey. And what we don't want to do is put anything in front of each other that may cause us to stumble or to fall or and and then uh, the obvious um, kind of correlation with that is stumble fall into what or stumble out of or and stumble and fall into what it's into disbelief it's non-faith it's questioning questioning one's faith or questioning one's savior and how can i mean ultimately he's going to get to this point of the weaker brother seeing how can I see how can I be a Christian and you be a Christian when I hold to this new faith, you know, as in its quote unquote purity or whatever, without, without any sort of blemish. I don't know if that's the right word to say, but then, and you go back and do things that could be considered idolatry or part of the former religion and we'll get into the idea of eating uh and eating meat sacrificed or meat give not not sacrificed but laid out for um the idol gods of rome and uh how can a christian a true christian eat from that uh and and kind of dive it back into what those who are weaker in the faith see as the former faith and idolatry. So, um, yeah, as a Christian, we do not want to cause our brothers to stumble or to put a hindrance in front of them that would cause some sort of blockage or questioning of their faith. Right. And this is where the, I mean, this is the concern that really comes to the front here in this text, where, whereas yesterday's text was the matter of not judging, not despising. I think you, you could take that in just a very keep the peace type of thing, right? Paul doesn't want there to be fights within the congregation. So this is how you get along with each other. Could be a way that you would read that. But as Paul moves forward into this text, and and certainly, I mean, it's it's not like we want there to be lots of fighting within a congregation, but it's it's a much bigger thing than that. And this matter of a stumbling block it really brings that forward. I mean, this is a this is a word that's used elsewhere, I think, in Paul and in the Gospels that that is talking about not just sort of tripping and falling and scraping your knee, but we're talking about the possibility of losing saving faith here. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on with that. It's 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 falling out of faith. Not yeah, not not just kind of tripping up and you know questioning and 
trying to figure out what is truth, it is actually becoming one who is no longer in the faith. That's the stumbling block that Paul's worried about. Right. So then with, with that, in verse 13, uh, Paul starts to lay out how this might happen. And he starts by talking about himself. And, and here in verse 14, Paul, Paul talks about what he himself is. He knows what he's persuaded to believe. And, and based on what we've read already, it seems that here Paul identifies himself with what we would call the strong in faith in terms of what he mm-hmm. believes about food. So take us into what Paul is saying about himself and what he believes this matter of clean and unclean food there in verse 14. Yeah, in 14, I think, you know, Paul is really, like you said, sees himself as strong in the faith, as one who is strong in the faith. Um, His faith has been confirmed in him, and he is now um, a teacher of that faith. And it is, uh, he he sees himself as, as, as one who is, is very strong within that. And so as he talks through it, he says, I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus Christ that nothing is unclean in itself. And in that way, I think he hearkens back to, you know, Peter's vision in Gapa, uh, where the Lord drops down the, the, the curtain and tells Peter to hunt and eat. And uh, Peter sees animals that are both clean and unclean. And the Lord says to Peter, you know, kill and eat. Um, And how can you call something that the Lord has made unclean? And so Peter takes that message then to uh, the Jerusalem Council, and they go and begin their mission work not just in Jerusalem or Judea, but into the ends of the earth. And that's what Paul's doing. He's taking that message to people now who would have been considered unclean in the eyes of the Jews. And so in doing that, he is now taking that message, but also taking it into their cultural context and using what the Lord has given to him as a teaching, as a teaching point. And so um, as he continues to speak, he says, but it is unclean for anyone to think it unclean. That's where the problem is. It's the thinking of things that are unclean, that the Lord has made are unclean. That's, that's the concern, but he'll continue to go on and say, at the same time, we must be sensitive in a manner of speaking to those who are new in the faith, especially to those who are coming out of a former religion where this part of the, uh, the, 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 this part of the religion was an integral part of it, and that it was very much connected to the fact that there is uh, idol worship going on here, that this is part of of that whole thing. Maybe not, maybe in kind of a tangential or a side way, but it's still intertwined. That's why Paul can say, let us not call things unclean. 
but it is unclean to actually call things unclean. So a couple of thoughts, Pastor Weefel. I think you're right. Acts 10 is definitely in view here when, when Paul talks about that he is persuaded, he knows that nothing is unclean in itself, that vision that St. Peter was given. Also, in, uh, it's, it's, in, it's in Mark's gospel, which is probably Mark is writing based on what St. Peter is telling him, where Jesus yeah. is talking about uh, what defiles a person. He, he says it's not what, what comes into a person and then goes out that, that defiles a person. And, and Mark makes the parenthetical comment there that thus Jesus declared all foods clean. So this, yeah. this idea, this teaching that all foods are clean, they're not unclean in themselves, that's very biblical. It's based on Jesus' own words to the apostles during his earthly ministry, to Peter after he had ascended, after Jesus had ascended to heaven. This is all based on Jesus' words, that nothing is unclean in itself. And yet, and Paul says, I know this, I'm persuaded by it, as, as one of those who is strong in the faith. Yet he also says that still food is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. Now, how how is that possible? That sounds very at least to think in, in very modern terms, it sounds very relativistic. Well, Paul, for you, it's clean. For me, it's unclean. And to each his own. How do we, how do we understand this without falling into some kind of relativism? Yeah, I think it's like a relativism or even in some way a legalism, making a law out of something that hasn't been commanded or forbidden. Now that Jesus has spoken towards this, that all things are clean, and as you as you noted, Mark uses that parenthetical of, and by saying this, Jesus declares all things, all foods clean. Um, now we move from clean foods and unclean foods that the Jews and the Israelites especially held to, to everything's open. And in doing that, if we go back to now something that is neither commanded nor forbidden, um, the, the fancy theological way of speaking of that is adiaphora, something neither commanded nor forbidden. If we make demands or make laws on those type of things, we be, we've become legalists. And uh, in many ways, uh, I think our Lutheran confessions and our Lutheran fathers would say you have to actually do the opposite then. So um, it, so when, when, when Paul's talking about this, how um, for, the, for the one who sees this as unclean, keep it unclean. For the one who sees this as not unclean, keep it clean. Um, that I think what Paul's trying to say is that it, it, the person who, uh, and where they are in their faith actually matters. That the weak in the faith, if this is going to cause them to stumble, if this thing is going to cause a great offense, the one who is stronger in his faith has a duty to his brother to care for him and to guide and lead him to understand these things that they that the what was formerly considered unclean now is 
no longer unclean and to guide and shepherd him along the way in that way so that he no longer sees these things as unclean, but rather that they too have been sanctified, made holy by our God who originally made these things in creation. I, I think one of the, the important things you said there was that it it depends on where this person is in his faith. And what separates that from, say, someone who is absolutely dead set against this is the matter that there is faith. The weak in faith is one who does have faith, who does trust in the righteousness freely given to him through faith in Jesus Christ, as Paul laid out in the first part of Romans. And so even though this person who is weak in faith isn't fully exercising the freedom that has been given to him in that righteousness, he still has faith, and he still has that righteousness. And and so Paul uses that as the foundation then in speaking to these strong Christians, keep your eyes on the ball here. Don't focus on the way they're exercising that righteousness given by faith. Focus on the fact that they have it and keep your focus on helping them to hold on to that righteousness rather than dealing yourself with the fruit. Deal yourself with the, the root. I think that I think that image works. Mm-hmm. Focus there. And and so and then that that takes him then into verse 15. Because he says, look, this is really not just a matter of of any outward sort of thing, but it's about destroying the one for whom Christ died. If you're going to exercise your freedom callously and eat something in the presence of your brother that will cause him to question his faith and stumble, what you're really going to do is you're going to destroy this person for whom Christ died. And that, that's the the goal here is to, well— the goal is to not do that. It's to to help this this weakened faith one preserve that faith first and foremost. Absolutely, uh, we the goal is yeah to raise each other up in the faith, and not to for the weak for the strong to say you must abide by the way that the faith is, uh, and 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 everything in every way do it. Um, to the full its fullest measure, and if you if there's something that you uh, struggle with, you must still lean into that in a way of speaking, and now allow for that. Even though it's hard for you, you must allow for other Christians to be be a part of this and be in it. On the contrary, though, I think that the, 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 what Paul's saying especially is that the strong in faith must be that their weak brother is still their brother, even if they have doubts about certain things or weaknesses in certain areas that might cause them to not be able to be part of and accept all things especially in these kind of adiaphoric areas, you, you as the strong in faith, 
in a sense, must be an adult Christian and allow for those who are more like children of the faith to um, learn and to grow before you exercise what it means uh, to be a Christian or uh, be Christian to the full measure or to do certain things. You must allow for these people to learn and to grow and to become like you, an adult Christian. Right. Uh, that, I, again, to highlight what you said, that the brother who is weak in the faith is still your brother. And keeping him as a brother, that's what's important. To use the question that Cain very famously asked, am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question is, yes, you are your brother's keeper. And the strong Amen. brother has the responsibility toward the weak brother to watch out for him, to keep him as a brother, lest he fall away. That's, that's the ultimate danger that's at stake here. That's what Paul wants to avoid. And so, again, he wants these strong Christians, himself included, to keep their eye on the ball. Not to get distracted by matters of, as you said, adiaphora, and I'm going to let you define that for us. I don't think we we talked about that particular word yesterday, Pastor Wheatfeld. Not to get distracted by things like adiaphora, which he's going to talk about things like eating and drinking, because that's not what the kingdom of God is about, those things. Instead, it's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So taking the jumping off point of, of let us know what is adiaphora, because that's maybe not a term that we all know, and then taking that to jump into verses 16 and 17. Yeah, so um, adiaphora is a way that the, our, our Lutheran fathers, the confessors, spoke about things that are, ne- that are neither commanded by our Lord and Holy Scripture or forbidden for us to be a part of by our Lord and Holy Scripture. So it's that kind of gray area of Christian freedom that we can be a part of, and that there is no law against, and there's no law for. So things like uh, things like eat, like like the like the food that we eat. There's no law saying there's something that you can't eat. And there's no law saying there's something you must eat, like that we can only eat in this category. Or even in the things that we drink, there's no law against things to drink and no law for things to drink. But in, in regard, on the other hand, the Lord says in regard to things like wine or alcohol, we're not to drink in excess of those things. Because they will uh, cause bad things to happen to us and potentially to those around us. Whereas the Lord doesn't say you can't drink, but to not drink in excess. So that, that's kind of that, that's kind of a you know, adiaphora in a nutshell. And uh, jumping off then into uh, looking at verse verse. Uh, 15 and 16, um, we're, walk, we're called to not cause our brother to grieve, because that grieving causes us to walk no longer in love. 
We can't share together the bond of brotherly love that there might be. There's going to be something between us. There's going to be a wall between us, and that wall is a stumbling block. And we don't want to, in a sense, then destroy the one for whom Christ died. And jumping into 16 then, we don't want those things that are good to be spoken of as if they were evil. And that's what it's going to cause our brother to do. The weaker brother is going to begin to speak about these things that uh, are really neutral or even, even good. They'll begin to speak about these things and about us, too, as, we, as if we were evil, which is not what the Christian is called to do. The Christian is called to care for his brother, to walk in brotherly love, and to speak uh, in, in love and care for the brother. And in, in a sense, then, we, have caught, we are causing our brother not just to stumble but to sin because he is calling what is good evil. And, and we've entirely missed the point at that point which I think is the move that Paul makes into verse 17. He says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When the strong takes advantage of the freedom that he has in Christ and causes the weak to stumble, and the argument turns into matters of food and drink, of which the Lord has not commanded or forbidden, all of a sudden, we're missing the main things in the kingdom of God. We're missing the righteousness and peace and joy that comes in the Holy Spirit. Martin Absolutely. Franzman, in his, in his commentary, connected this to the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, food and drink included, that'll be given to you. And, and Paul here seems to be playing off of those words that He's telling these strong Christians and the weak alike, seek after God's kingdom first. These things are in the realm of Christian love. Keep your eyes focused on what God has given you in Christ. Absolutely. he Because he gives us his righteousness as the first and foremost thing that he gives, as the chief and the most important thing that he gives. And then off of that, he gives to us, and yet, peace and joy that come with his Holy Spirit. These are things that are, that are good for us, and that we as Christians are called to be a part of and to be in. But then he also does give us uh, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all that we have. And he gives those to us as gift. Not that we deserve them just like we don't deserve his righteousness. But because of the righteousness that he has given to us through his death on the cross, and the promise that uh, he will continue to be with us, and to continue to give us his righteousness, his forgiveness, and all the things that we need to support this body and life. So then Paul, Paul continues, and he really, again... Uh, up, ups the ante maybe isn't the exact right way to put it, but he, he builds upon this, that this service to the neighbor is actually, in addition, 
service to Christ. And in that way, then we pursue these things, what makes for peace, for mutual building, knowing that we are serving both Christ and brother in the church. Take us into those last two verses of this paragraph, Pastor Wheatfield. Yeah, in many ways, Paul's speaking as a Lutheran, I think. <laughs> uh, he, you know, I, Luther's, Luther's idea of vocation is, is, is something that the church, is, it's not just Luther's, but it's something that the church has been part of, and Luther really highlights in the Reformation and reforms that too. That in Christ, all the work that we do to service of the neighbor is really Christ serving the neighbor through us. And so those things that are service to the neighbor are Christ's and are Christ-like, and that's what we're called to live in. And as Christians, as we serve each other, so we are also serving, uh, we are also being served by other Christians, and it's ultimately Christ serving us. And as Christ serves us, it builds up peace, and it builds up uh, the mutual understanding of what it means to be the body of Christ. So we want that building up as opposed to the tearing down. And so I think, you know, Paul, Paul does it, Paul's such a brilliant teacher that he starts off with a, this is at the beginning of this uh, section, it's, this is what's tearing down. And this is what we're really called to. We're called to building up hmm. and we're called to helping each other out as brothers and sisters in Christ. So if food's going to be the thing that causes a breaking down, let the stronger serve the weaker and abstain so that they must be lifted up and uh, be helped out in that way. I think this whole conversation, as, as we've been talking about it, is I'm glad we started where we did in terms of the righteousness of God that Paul proclaims, particularly in the first part of the book of Romans, that is freely given through faith. Because with that foundation, what Paul is laying out here makes a lot of sense. The danger between the strong and the weak is to take the works of Christian love and the exercising of Christian freedom and place them as the primary thing above the justification by grace through faith. And when that happens, when we place our exercising of Christian freedom and make it about what I'm doing or what I'm not doing, this is the sort of tearing down that happens. But when we keep first things first, the kingdom of God and its peace, joy, righteousness, there is that word, <laughs> righteousness, when we keep that first, that forms the foundation for the building of the church. And if we reverse the order, we tear it down. When we keep the order right, when we start with the righteousness of God that brings us into the kingdom of God, and then we build upon that in the love that Christ has given, but then this is the building up that results. As I mean, this, this text just doesn't make sense without that full context. And so again, I just, I appreciate you bringing that that back for us. And again, I mean, just to the image, what we often will say, Article 4 of the Augsburg Confession, the article concerning justification by grace through faith for the sake of Christ, we talk about that being the article upon which the church stands or falls. 
And again, to, mm-hmm. to you know, it sounds like Paul's talking like a Lutheran here, where where he's, yeah. he's saying that exact thing. If we don't keep justification central, we tear down. But when we do, the church is built by Christ. Absolutely. When the church when the church loses track of that righteousness is of Christ's and is a free gift to man, we completely lose track of what is truly important and what is first and foremost important and truly the only foundation that isn't just sand or marsh or whatever. It is the firmest foundation one can build off of. And so it can allow for us to then go and serve the neighbor in a whole wide variety of capacities. If we first start, though, at, you know, what it is that we're doing, as opposed to what Christ has done for us, our, we turn it completely topsy-turvy and lose track of what is truly first and foremost important. And unfortunately, I think a wide variety of churches today and churches over the millennia that the church has been around have lost track of that and have gone into different places that is not good for them to be in and in many ways have turned themselves from Christian churches into secular churches because they're so focused on secular issues first and foremost as opposed to building off of the foundation that is Christ and his righteousness. It's it's a temptation for any of us in any congregation to do. It, yesterday, and I, not to revisit the entire conversation, but just in, in our world today, yesterday our conversation concerning strong and weak, one of the examples that we used in today's world is the matter of whether or not you wear a mask to church and, and yeah. why you would do that or not do that. And and as, as Pastor Belts very well laid out for us yesterday, whether you do or don't, when, when you're convinced, as Paul is here, that what you're doing is according to what God's Word has said, then great, you live together in the love. But when you don't keep that foundation, I mean, this is the temptation for any of us, is to fall off of that temptation into some sort of works righteousness to justify ourselves and then and then we really need to go back and start in Romans chapter 1 all over again and read what Paul says when we try to find our righteousness apart from Christ and and then Absolutely. come back to this text <laughs> so pastor Wayfeld then and and again Paul's is moving building on what he said yesterday building on everything that he's saying in verse 20 he he really starts to wrap things up he says do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. And then he goes back again. Everything is indeed clean. It's what he said, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. Uh, Paul really is being very practical here in his application of what he's said so far. For sure. So Paul, Paul's uh, really just summarizing what he had said previously, like any good teacher He's reiterating, hey, this is the main point. Do not, for the sake of food, something that is truly minuscule, destroy the work of God, which is a major thing, which is massive, which is life or death. But instead, for the sake of the brother, consider yourself strong and them weak and and take care of them accordingly. 
And, you know, Paul, I think just puts that point back at them. Hey, yeah, everything, everything is clean. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with the food. However, if it's going to make someone stumble, it's not the food, but it is you as a Christian and how you care for your brother. That's where the question lies. Right. He puts it again. He reminds the strong of the responsibility that he has to the weak brother because the weak is his brother. Verse 21 again. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble, which is is quite something. Paul, Paul has said, look, I know and you strong brother, you know as well that eating this meat, drinking this wine is perfectly good and acceptable based on what Jesus has said. But now he says, what's good in this instance is not to do that, to refrain from it, which, I mean, and I think this makes sense. The the strong, true strength is shown in that restraint rather than just a callous exercising of freedom to show restraint. That is what requires true strength in the faith. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's really strength in the faith to acknowledge the fact that there is a weaker and for his, for the brother's sake, you will refrain from something. You will abstain from something. You will withhold yourself from something. So Live in, live in that strength and know that it, your strength is caring for the brother. And that is, in, in many ways, that is Christ-like. And it can, should be what the Christian continues to do, is act as Christ to his neighbor. Be a little Jesus to your neighbor. Hmm. Verses 22 and 23 the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Pastor Weevil, we've got about four minutes left here on the morning. Take us into these verses. Help us wrap things up. Summarize what Paul is teaching us here in this text. Yeah, so, you know, in this verse 22, the faith that you have, that is the strength of your faith, keep that between you and God. Everyone can see that you have faith by your actions, yes. But how strong your faith is, and whether you are strong or weak, especially on behalf of the, especially on the strong's behalf of the weak, keep your strength between you and God. You know how strong you are. And do not cause your brother to stumble because of your strength. That's where then sin can come in. Because uh, you don't want to cause your brother to sin because of his doubt if you eat. And if he eats and and it causes great doubt because of that, that eating does not come by faith, as he says in 23. That faith comes from unfaith, because he's not quite there yet as you are. So care for your brother in abstaining from the things that uh, only the strong in faith take part of. And because you don't want your, your, the weaker brother to then put their faith, whether it is in the eating, 
or in mask wearing or all any anything like that. You don't want them to put their faith in that thing because they need to have their faith in Jesus. For as as Paul concludes, anything that comes outside of faith or that does not proceed from faith is sin. And by doing that then, we are causing our weaker brother to stumble, to fall, to sin, and are potentially even lead, leaving them into grave danger. I think Luther has a great point in The Freedom of the Christian, where Luther, Luther writes, a Christian is a freely perfect Lord subject to no one. A Christian is a, uh, is a perfectly free Lord subject to no one. And a Christian is also a perfectly dutiful servant subject to all. They sound contradictory, but as, the, as a Christian, we must live in, with this as a paradox, that at the same time we are free and at the same time we are dutiful. At the same time we are subject to no one, and at the same time we're subject to all. And so we have to live at that fine line in what we do and how we care for the brother, that we are both free to do things uh, that are not, obviously, that are, that are not wrapped up in sin, but at the same time, we shouldn't just completely go off the end because we can, but we must keep the faith of our brothers at the forefront of our mind and how that can damage their faith. Pastor Matt Wheatfelt is the Director of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, helping us this morning with Romans chapter 14, verses 13 through 23. Pastor Wheatfelt, thanks for being with us today. Thank you again, Pastor Oppold. It's always a joy to be with you. Your weak brother in Christ is your brother in Christ. He has been given, like you, the righteousness of faith freely by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And above all else, that relationship that you have with him as brother, that is the key. Keep your focus there on the righteousness of God that comes in his kingdom through Jesus Christ and live in love toward him, not exercising your freedom with callous disregard, but showing love to him that together you might remain brothers in Christ until that great day when he returns in glory. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.